my hope today is to encourage your faith. Because if you look wholeheartedly, you will find me and I will be found by you, says God in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. See, if we look for God, we will find him. And proof of that is the story of Thomas in the Gospel of John. Now, when we look first, we wonder, what's going on here? Why would Thomas, who followed Jesus wholeheartedly, why would he not find his Lord? We know that Thomas was a man who was all in. We know this because we're told that when Jesus goes to a place where his life is threatened, it's Thomas who steps up and says to the other disciples, let's go with him and die with him. I want to encourage your faith today because I believe this story is written to people like us who are wondering where the risen Jesus is. That if we seek him wholeheartedly, we will find him. Maybe you've experienced in life sometimes where you've wondered, where is God? How come it's so hard to see him? Well, I have a hunch that the reason why it's so hard for us is because God plays hide and seek. Now, he doesn't do it in a cruel and twisted way to frustrate us. Let me, let me explain that with an example from my own life. How many of you today are missing an Easter egg hunt? I know I am. I have fond memories with our girls when we would come home from church on Easter Sunday and their mother, who had put, who had taken, who had put in their baskets their favorite treats, I would take those treats and hide them all over our, fam, our first floor of our home and our girls got into it. They would get down on their hands and knees and look under things to find what, we, what we'd hidden. And they'd ask to be picked up so they could look up high above. And I remember the excitement. But you know what? I also remember the tears. I remember Wendy saying, Jim, don't hide things so well that they can't find them. Especially when one of them has found everything in their basket and the other one's still looking and is getting frustrated. Sometimes it feels like God is playing hide-and-seek with us, but I don't believe that God is doing it to frustrate us. See, I was a human father when I would do that. I wanted my girls to work hard and to earn, to, to, to persevere. In Ephesians 6, 4, it says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't exasperate them <laughs> to the point where they're resentful, by demands that are trivial or unreasonable, humiliating, or just downright abusive. You know, God is unlike any human father. We're told in Hebrews 12 that earthly fathers, they do what seems best to them. But God knows what's best. And his intentions toward us are always good. Even if we question why things are happening or where God is. God is good. So you see, when God's playing hide and seek with Thomas here in the story, he's not playing games with him. He's being a good father. So what are we to make of what he's doing here? What's his point? It's not to frustrate Thomas. I believe it's the same reason he plays hide and seek with us. It's because he wants something for us, something that we need to give ourselves to. We need to participate. We need to involve ourselves in, in order to be able to receive it. And that gift is faith. We need to seek for it in order to find it. 
So let's look at this true story of Jesus from Jesus' life in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Mary Magdalene's the first on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, to arrive and see that the tomb is empty. And she goes back and tells Peter and John. And in verse 8, John reaches the tomb first when they return. And he looks inside, and it says that he saw and he believed. Now, until John saw that the tomb was empty, he and the other disciples still didn't understand the prophecies that Jesus had been referring to and teaching them about that said that he was going to have to suffer and die, but that he would be raised from the dead. So be clear here, Peter and John needed evidence, the empty tomb, before they believed that Jesus was alive. It was until they saw with their own eyes that the tomb was empty that they believed. It was then in that moment. Mary Magdalene, like Peter and John, she didn't have just the empty tomb as proof. She actually sees the risen Jesus who appears to her and calls her by name and tells her to go and tell the other disciples that he's risen. Well, later that Easter Sunday evening, Resurrection Sunday, Jesus appears to the rest of the disciples. We don't know why he doesn't appear to all of them at once. We don't know where Thomas is. For some reason, Jesus doesn't appear to all of his disciples at one time. And that should give us encouragement if sometimes we're wondering where God is in our lives. Thomas is not alone. What was it like when they said to Thomas, we've seen the Lord? Well, Thomas had the opportunity to believe without seeing. How did he respond? Listen to verses 24 through 25. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, who's nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And so they said, they told him, we've seen the Lord. Here's Thomas's response. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. I put my fingers into them and I place my hand into the wound in his side. What did Thomas's words say about his faith at this point? <laughs> well, let me illustrate it with another example from my own experience as a parent. When our oldest daughter was born, my mom gave me a fascinating book about what babies learn in their first two years. And I remember learning at that time and discovering a theory, the theory of object permanence by the Swiss psychologist Jean Piaget. And I believe it, it relates to the story of Thomas and the kind of faith that Thomas had up to this point in Jesus and why it was so hard for him to put his trust in Jesus. See, during the first two years of a baby's life, he or she discovers that an object continues to exist even when they're not able to see it, hear it, or touch it. And so how did this work in my daughter's life? Well, when she was very little, she acted as if a toy ceased to exist if she couldn't see it, hear it, or touch it. And so if I had a toy and she was looking at and I hid it under a blanket, you know what she would do? She'd ignore it and she'd switch her focus over here to something that she could see. Now, Piaget says that babies develop object permanence. And we know that they do because it happens when they come to realize that the object that was removed from their sight is still there, even though they can't see it or grab it. And I found this to be true with our daughter. It didn't take long before she was no longer ignoring that object that was taken from view. She knew that it was still there, even if she couldn't see it or touch it. And because she knew that that toy was still there, she'd actually look for it. Sometimes she'd actually look under the blanket to find it. 
She loved to play hide-and-seek. <laughs> and the reason for hide-and-seek for her is very much like the reason why God plays hide-and-seek with us. It's to get us involved, to respond, to seek, and to find. So when Thomas heard the news that Jesus had appeared to the other disciples, he was like an infant who had not yet learned about object permanence. See, the only Jesus that he had ever known up to that point was the Jesus that he could see, that he could touch, that he could hear. And when Jesus was hidden from him, Thomas believed that Jesus was gone for good. Since Jesus was no longer visible to him, he figured that Jesus could not be alive, that he was still dead, or that they'd stolen his body. And much like a child who learns object permanence, Thomas had to learn to trust that Jesus was still there, even if he could not see him with his own eyes and he was hidden from his sight. And that's why Jesus says to him in verse 27, when he sees Thomas a week later, he says, don't be faithless any longer, but believe. Why? See, because God leads us to the place where we don't know and can't see, writes Leonard Sweet in his book, Nudge, awakening each other to the God who is already there. Was God fooling with Thomas? Was he playing a game with him? When God seems absent or distant from us, is it some cruel twist of fate? I don't think so. It can feel that way, though, with the way we talk about God. Have you ever heard someone say at the end of a powerful story where maybe God answered prayer or God came through in a way, they'll say, and then God showed up. I wonder if you've heard that. Maybe you've wondered in the times where it felt like God didn't show up. You wonder, why didn't God show up? Why didn't I see the powerful ending, the answer to prayer? Was God busy? Why did he choose not to intervene? The statement, and then God showed up, makes it sound like God is kind of present here at some times and not at other times. But that's not the case. We learn that from this moment. That God is still present even when we're looking for him. Leonard Sweet goes on to say, it's not God's way to give us specs or blueprints. God actually takes us to places where trust grows or is more likely to grow. And often where we don't want to go, God leads us, he says, to faith, not certainty. And that's what he's doing with Thomas right here. We read how it happened because eight days later, the disciples are together again. And this time, Thomas is present with them. And the doors are locked, we're told. But suddenly, Jesus appears to them. And when he does, he says to them, peace be with you. And he looks at Thomas, and he repeats what Thomas says. He says, put your finger here, he said. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my wound, in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Notice that Jesus appeals to him to put his trust in, in him before he offers him the certainty of actually touching and seeing up close his wounds. He's challenging him before he even shows him his marks. Believe. Don't be faithless any longer. wonder if that's what Jesus has sometimes said to you or to me. Don't be faithless any longer, but believe. Because I'm leading you to faith, 
not to certainty. We know that this is what Jesus' desire is for us because at the end of this chapter, John writes these words. He says, The disciples saw Jesus do many miraculous things in addition to the ones that are written about in his gospel. See, the disciples had certainty. They were firsthand witnesses. They got to see with their own eyes the miracles that Jesus did. But we're story, our story's not like that. We're like Thomas at this point, where God leads us to a place where we don't know everything, and we can't see it all, where he leads us not to certainty, but he leads us to faith. John says, God doesn't play hide-and-seek to cruel to play with us. But these are written, these stories about Jesus and these testimonies, that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. He says continue because he knows we need to keep coming back to the testimony of these stories of what happened with Jesus because they were written so that we would continue to believe. Where does belief begin? It's not a once and done. It has a point, but it's also a process. It comes as we learn to grow in trust. But John says, by believing in him, you'll have life by the power of his name. Have you believed in him? Some of us have the kind of life, some of us have that life, that faith that Jesus came to share. It's not fine by trying harder to be a better person. It's the kind of life that's free from fear and panic and filled with love for God and love for others. And it begins by putting our trust in Him. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And respond like Thomas did. My Lord and my God is what he said when he saw Jesus. Jesus said to him, you believe because you've seen me. (laughs) Notice that Jesus says, Next, this to you and I. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So we have this eyewitness of record of Jesus contained in the scriptures, and it's written for us who've never seen Jesus. And the reason that we have this is so that we would begin this journey of faith. That's the whole point. That we would believe the testimony of those who did have certainty. Because God is still leading us today by faith. So what does it mean to begin to journey with him? We have the same opportunity today to respond to Jesus as Thomas chose to when he saw him. But we have the opportunity to do it without seeing him. To not reject or deny him. Jesus said that those who believe without seeing him would be blessed. How are they blessed? I believe that we're blessed because we can experience the same kind of firsthand relationship with Jesus that Thomas did, even without seeing him. Let me talk to you more about that. See, there are different levels of intimacy with God, different different, different, um, proximities to God. Craig Rochelle, in his book, The Christian Atheist, Believing in God but living as if he doesn't exist, talks about this. He says that there's different different proximity to God. Some of us, we know something about God. We know something about God from going to church or hearing some Bible stories. But all of it's secondhand. It's other people's experiences. Maybe our parents or family members. 
Some of us know God in our memories. We can look back in our past and we can say, yes, I've experienced God's goodness, His grace, His love in the past. But you know what? If we were honest, we'd look and say, I knew Him years ago, but I can't say that I really know Him right now. What Jesus said is the reward for those who don't see Him is an intimate, ongoing relationship that as we continue to seek Him, we'll grow to know Him more and more. And we'll recognize Him in the ordinary circumstances of every day. That as we live with Him, we'll build a shared history together of experiences and become more and more familiar with His ways. Even as Thomas did when he got to see Jesus, we'll get to do it even when He's hidden from our sight. That's the kind of faith and belief that God wants us to have. When Jesus says, don't be faithless any longer, but believing. You know what happened to Thomas after that? He went to, a, he went to India, where he, he built a palace for King Gundumphorus. He lived with uncertainty because he was carried off far from home as a slave. God continued, though, to lead him by faith. And God's power was evident in him. Because Thomas kept telling other people to put their trust in him, even when he was far from his homeland and from the fellowship and presence of other believers, he chose to spend his time in the king's service, nudging other people, saying, I met the one who called himself the way, the truth, and the life. He is a person that you can come to know today. And you know what happened in the end? Even the king who he was serving came to put his faith in the risen Christ, even without seeing him, and was baptized. And so that's my prayer for you today, that you will come to put your faith and trust in the risen Jesus, because the reward is that even if you don't see him, he is real, and he will make himself real to you. All you have to do is ask him.